Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by the fun one. David Allen. Hey everybody. How's everybody doing? Hopefully great. Uh we are headed in, we're barely into the holiday uh season. We got two big holidays, at least here in the US. Uh hopefully other people around the world are celebrating something else or just getting together and uh, taking these next couple of weeks to be with friends, be with family, be around fun. Uh, I know it's been a tough year for a lot of people. Uh, so with that being said, let's try and alleviate some of that, give you guys some little entertaining information about Microsoft uh, and stuff that happened in the last week. We're going to start with our opening discussion, which is Microsoft partnering with Amazon Meta and the Linux Foundation on, Google, on a Google Maps competitor. Um, Google and Apple may have a new, comp- a new competitor in the mobile mapping, uh, app sector uh, as Microsoft Meta, Amazon Web Services. So to be clear, it's not just Amazon, but it's AWS and TomTom. If that sounds familiar to people, yeah, it's an old it one. It's way back. Exactly. A former coalition uh, to enter the market with an alternative to Google Maps and Apple Maps. So take note that I didn't include Apple Maps in this competitor thing. They have their own thing and they're actually doing pretty decent. Uh, according to Tech TechCrunch, AWS, Microsoft Meta, and TomTom are partnering with the Linux Foundation to form the Overture Maps Foundation, which seeks to create a new app-based open source mapping solution that leverages accessibility or accessible data from city planning departments and existing open source projects such as OpenStreetMap. That's a pretty big one that's uh, everybody kind of knows about if you're an uh, open source developer. Despite Google's rather uncanny and reliable ability to map most of the world as a single business entity, the Linux Foundation uh, executive doctor or director Jim Zimlin, I believe, I hope I'm saying that right, believes that the task should, should be a collaborative one. Like, there should be more than just one business mapping the world. Uh, mapping the physical environment in every community in the world, even as they grow and change, is a massive, uh, complex challenge that no one organization can manage. Industries needs needs to come together to do this for benefit for all. This is, this is what Zimlin believes. Now, underlying its participation in the collaborative project is Meta's engineering director of MAPS, uh, Jan uh, Eric Solem, who highlights the potential of using the new mapping solution, uh, the again, open source collaborative one, to help power lo- location data in the metaverse. So they, you know, they have a vested interest in mapping more thoroughly. Uh, and this is what he says, quote, immersive experiences which understand and blend into our physical environment are critical to the embodiment uh, Internet of the future. By delivering interoperable open map data, Overture provides the foundation for an open metaverse built by creators, developers, and businesses alike. Quote. Uh, now, functional applications of this new open source effort go beyond consumer interactions and could result in greater developer engagement in the sector in general. Uh, you have more open source developers kind of contributing. As it can, uh, in this side, they're going to get people involved. It can help reduce the development time in creating new apps that you know leverage maps or whatnot. Uh, at least leverage the data by simplifying the data sets collection and the implementation process. You know, they'll just be one re- repository of information versus, you know, trying to license it from a bigger name. Um, although there are currently only four heavy hitters in the tech industry signing up onto the new project for now, the Linux Foundation would like to see more worldwide participation to help produce more accurate data in the future. You know, more people joining in the pot, it's kind of like ways, you know, you get more people in live action that can give you more up-to-date stuff versus relying on one business to kind of keep track of everything. Uh, lastly, um, ideally, over the Overture project would like to power products in other sectors such as IoT, fitness, vehicle automation, logistics, mixed reality, security, and more. 
Similar to Apple's uh, debut of its burgeoning maps alternative, Overture Maps plans to drop a limited functioning data set for developers in the first half of next year, uh, with a, uh, with other timely releases to follow that will eventually add the polished users have come to kind of appreciate from other map mapping solutions like Google Maps and Apple Maps that include 3D building 3D building data, rotating navigation, and multi-stop directions. So uh, we should start seeing the fr fruits of this effort probably may-ish or so uh what do you think i don't know um i've i've kind of gone back and forth on this and it's funny how i did um i have been an apple user in the past i have been an iphone user in the past and i've always noticed you know how apple's going to force you to use apple maps and then you know you can specify that you want to use google maps or whichever other you know that apple will allow and then when you get an Android phone, you can pretty much use anything you want to to for for your mapping data. And for the most part, it's directions where you are in location, you know, in by for near other things, restaurants, places to eat, where you want to shop, et cetera. I'm okay with somebody else getting in the game, but I'm a little bit concerned from a user point of view how much information they are collecting. Because mm. we've already gotten down to the point where you can literally type in somebody's address and see their house enough to make out what is there and maybe, you know, what, you know, maybe if they've got something sitting in their yard at the time, you know, that the picture was took, then you know it's there. I'm a little bit weird about stuff like that. I like information to get to places. I don't mind reading reviews on restaurants around me when I'm out, you know, on the highway and they pop up, hey, tap here to read a review on this restaurant. That's fine. I'm a little bit concerned, as you mentioned, though, they're collecting more data. They're collecting more data points. Is that necessary? And when that launches, how will consumers feel about it? Because privacy is at the forefront right now. Everybody's worried about well, is my data private or is somebody getting a hold of it? So I'm a little bit concerned both ways because in order to have data points, you've got to get that data from somewhere and you've got to keep it updated as people use it. So your data is out there if you're using that service. How are consumers going to feel? Yeah, um, I think all of those points are very valid. Uh, I am a bit, I guess, nihilistic in an opportunistic kind of way. I, you know, I've already, you know, we've already been packaged as data. Um, and I hate when people just kind of throw it away like it doesn't matter, because it does. Uh, what I see this as more of, or at least the issues I see with it are more of the maintenance, UI, uh, implementation of data, because again, open source, we're going to be That's getting true. multiple people throwing into the pot. Whose UI are we going to? Uh, you know, trust, you know, with one vision from Google or one vision from Apple, it's easier to say like, hey, we're going to layer 3D mapping, we're going to start adding, you know, foot traffic and all these other things and make it look nice and work with the system. But if we start using open source stuff, not the, you know, bash Linux or anything, because they're very amazing distros these days. But, you know, how do you how who decides this is the UI we're going to use? These are the data points we're going to validate. This is how all of this stuff gets confirmed. Like you said, you know, there might be someone who throws in you know, location data from your specific area, but how do, you know, how's the consortium going to validate like, oh, this is accurate, this is being done at this time, and how are they going to do it in a timely manner if there's so many, uh, you know, hands in the pot, so to speak. So 
those are my concerns, not necessarily as much as the data portion because it's location data. Like, you know, as we watch Elon kind of flounder in Twitter, this it's kind of a tangential conversation about what is considered private when you live in a world that we share with everybody else, you know, like mm-hmm. it's so, you know, we'll, we will keep an eye on this. Uh, like we said, they should be having some uh, information. The first batches of this uh, effort come out, uh, and like you said, first half of next year. So if you're interested in some, using something other than Google Maps, because I know it's gotten super cluttered beyond our yeah. conversation about an alternative or I mean about this particular there just should be an alternative to Apple Maps and Google Maps because Google Maps is thrown in all kinds of crazy stuff in it. Uh, Apple Maps has gotten really good, but it's only on one platform. So um, the more the merrier, I suppose. And hopefully this didn't end up like here maps from I don't know what's that seven, eight years ago. Well at least with um Google, I know I have actually seen them here. You, you I've seen the vehicles driving around oh, where yeah. they're you know, they're labeled, they they don't hide what they're doing. You know, you see the cameras and, you know, the sensors on the vehicles and you see what they're up to. And it's like you said, Google has a set of steps, an algorithm or a protocol to follow when they've got people driving these vehicles so they know what data to expect back. Mm-hmm. When you're doing it open source, there's really no telling what you might get. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping these businesses will set up some standard. Again, that all comes to the timing and you know, when it comes to location data, you need on the spot, real time data uh, when you have to funnel it and verify it and, you know, go through a bunch of different sources and, you know, set up a whole set of protocols before that. Uh, it could take forever, you know. Uh, so, again, we will see what comes of this. But let's jump into our headlines for this week. Well, I only have a couple as to me it was a pretty light news week, but you have some. So I'm going to let you start. Well, I'm going to start with something a little different here. Um, I usually kick things off with gaming. Let's start with a little um, Microsoft information, if you will. Everybody remembers crypto mining. I think in some <laughs> point, in, in some point away, we were all a part of it. We all investigated it, or maybe we at least just downloaded the software and said, "Hey, I'm going to see what happens for a day or two. I did. I didn't go as crazy as some folks, but what I'm getting at here is a lot of people used Azure and other data center platforms to do their crypto mining. Well, guess what? Microsoft says no more. Basically, what Microsoft is telling us is, is, look, it's against our terms of services. Don't do it. And it's a recent update to their terms of services. And the only thing you are allowed to do And keep in mind, you have to get their permission to do this. You are allowed to do testing. If you're still playing with crypto, you're allowed to do limited testing on the Azure platform with written approval. But keep in mind, you can't do any real-time crypto mining that generates money or any type of income. They will suspend your account. So it's interesting that Microsoft has taken this stance. I've not seen anything from Azure or Google Cloud to match this in any way. So are we kind of seeing crypto mining change or are we seeing it slowly come to an end? I could see either way here. Um, it, I, like you said, I think it's actually both, a little bit of both. I think the wild, wild west nature of it is coming to an end. I think people who have the ability, the, the resources, the time, the machines 
and the I guess ecological uh, recycle like the ability to to kind of harvest this in an in a in, in eco friendly kind of way will be the ones who kind of come out on top. We will not be you know borrowing people's PCs and compute data and things like that. Um, in the background, this would be a more dedicated thing as it, you know, the pool of uh, crypto people or crypto technology kind of shrinks and, and refines itself. Um, because again, at the end of the day, like the, the amount of money that was generated for the effort that people were putting in, I think was kind of lopsided. And so uh, as people kind of back out of this, they're gonna, the people who are, like we said, are dedicated to it will make a little bit more money. And the technologies I think will probably advance a little quicker at that point. And maybe it maybe it'll cool off enough to keep our graphics cards and CPUs <laughs> at reasonable prices. Yeah, especially as we start to get them back now. Uh, I'm going to jump into something that is less fun, I suppose. Uh, it's actually a long list of things that are coming in Microsoft 365, so I'm going to try and go through it as quickly as I can. I'm not going to go through everything, uh, but if you are here because you like Microsoft stuff and you want to get into the nitty gritty about Microsoft 365 and its features, and you happen to be an admin, Stay tuned for the next two and a half minutes. Uh, to, to the uh, end of the year, Microsoft should recap a list of features coming to Microsoft 365 in the near future. Uh, to begin with, Microsoft Teams will get a new option in Teams to include, quote, everyone in the mentions section. What that means is when you select everyone in your mentions options, all the users associated with the group will receive a notification alerting them of the same thing. The feature is set to roll out in late January with general availability for desktop, iOS, and Android planned for late February, 2023. Uh, Teams is also getting another feature for admins that now includes export. In the, in the Teams roadmap feature 85704, better known as support for CDS exports for admin download data from the list pages, uh, will now include uh, download exports from list pages, uh, Teams list pages, member list pages, channel list pages, and user list pages. Admins can expect this to become generally available sometime in around March, March 2023. I don't know if it's the beginning of March or the end of March. Next up is the announcement of a public preview of Idle Sessions timeout coming to Microsoft 365 web apps. Uh, feed, again, this is another numbered feature because these are all coming from the roadmap. 55183 on the 365 roadmap will help admins secure their company's confidential data from being accessed by unauthorized parties by allowing them to configure tenant-wide timeout policies that automatically sign users out of uh, out, out of a, when there's a period of inactivity. If some of you are wondering why Microsoft seems to be, and again, when I say some of you, I mean admins, seem to be doubling up on this functionality after already establishing the current app specified idle timeout settings in the Outlook web app, OWA, or the shared uh, SharePoint Online, SP. Uh, it's because the company is looking to replace both those solutions uh, with this new unified approach. So uh, the functionality for OWA and SP, as it stands now, will be replaced with this new one. The feature isn't expected until the end of August, so this is a much later one. Um, and in order to access it, admins will need to make use of the new UI in Microsoft 365 Admin Center when available. I don't know when that is gonna be. Microsoft is also getting uh, on board with RCS chat app protocols by announcing an extension of resource. Again, this is RCS. This is what it means if you guys are ever talking to people are like, what does it mean? Resource specific content uh, permissions model uh, for receiving all messages to bot scenarios. Uh, a bit, if you're a bit disappointed because you thought you'd be able to receive regular text in Teams chat, which is what I thought it was going to be, uh, you're not. You're, this isn't for you. But if you're excited by this because you're an admin, um, it's you can make use of this by allowing bots to receive all user messages in standard channels and chats without being at mentioned. Uh, so, so basically, someone can just 
respond to it. You can set up a response when someone's like, hey, are you busy? And you're like, I'm too busy to even text you that I'm busy. Uh, you can start utilizing this feature as of today. So this is the only one feature that's here this year. Everything else is kind of going to be in the future. Uh, feature uh, 10883 was made generally available earlier this week and should be uh, should help with automating all the free-flowing chats in Teams if you are that busy in Teams. Uh, the last feature, which is picking back on the advancement in the message center for Microsoft 365, is the introduction of feature release status for organizations in the settings. Uh, Microsoft 365 roadmap has been updated to show a new uh, new and updated feature announcement across Microsoft 365 as statuses and message center, uh, making it easier for you to keep track of what's available uh, for your organization. The feature should roll out sometime in mid-April 2023 with broad availability in May 2023. So those are all the updates for Microsoft 365 as far as admins are concerned. Whew. What do you think? 365 has done a lot of growing this year. Yes, it has. And I look forward to what's going to be happening next year as well. I'm the same way. I've noticed um, I'm, I'm going to have to tell on myself here. I was a big Apple user up until about a couple of years ago. I was all oh, this is all room out of here. <laughs> I was uh, I, I'll admit it. I was all in on the Apple ecosystem and without getting long winded here for various reasons, I started noticing things that just didn't work for me. And I had been out of the Microsoft ecosystem as much as you can be for many years just not using it day to day and and when i came back a couple years ago i was like okay this has changed this is different this is cool not only from what we do it you know as far as a business but the whole ecosystem in general it's just a cool ecosystem how they've got everything that plays together whether you're working playing office 365 whatever it is everything integrates nicely and I, I'm like you, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it next year. Me too. What else do you got for us? Let's see. Let's get on the old HoloLens train. I don't think we oh, have, oh, oh. Uh, don't think we talk about HoloLens a whole lot. And there's a few reasons why, which we're going to talk does. about here. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nobody does. And th that kind of rolls me into what I want to talk about because HoloLens has, is, or HoloLens 2, I should say, is getting Teams integration. And here's the kick, though. HoloLens 2, as Kareem kind of hinted at, there's not really a consumer product. It has kind of turned business slash industrial. And what we're getting here with the Teams integration, I think is really cool because what you see mainly with HoloLens is, say you've got somebody who is building a car. Let's use Toyota, for example. That was what was used in another example I saw. They're having a hard time with something. The support person can connect to the person using Teams that is wearing the HoloLens and can see things from their perspective. But with that said, what's cool about it is this. They can start that Teams meeting they have access to OneDrive, they have access to viewing documents, they have access to, to using PDFs, they can interact with the meeting just like Kareem and I are doing here, all from their headset. So that's going to open up a whole other ball game and a whole other list of options that people can use. HoloLens is not just something you put on your head anymore 
and you look around and you design something three-dimensional and say, hey, this is cool. We're actually going to start seeing it. Hopefully, I hope so. I'm a big virtual reality, augmented reality person. We're hopefully going to see it in other applications. Again, I'm interested to see what they do with this. Yeah, I mean, uh, to your point, uh, I believe there's a quote in your story, uh, yep. which is basically just kind of explaining to people that Microsoft is still working on HoloLens, so it is not a dead project, even though as Kevin is gone. Right, and they're we, not done. Uh, yeah, we've gone kind of radio silent on it. Uh, but what they are explaining in this quote um, is basically saying that we are going to develop a product uh, for HoloLens at the times that makes sense and not a year. Thing. This, isn't a, this isn't a cell phone. This isn't a laptop. Uh, this is more along the lines of uh, an appliance. A tool set for business users and business users tend to tend to not all keep their products repair their products for the longevity of uh, as long as they can because they're costly more the, the the more the cost the less likely they are to replace it over and over this is why your conference rooms are always falling apart and never working and using old technology because it costs a lot of money in the beginning to set it up and they're not going to keep replacing everything every time a new piece comes out because there's a learning curve there's implementation, there's repairability, there's uh, licensing, there is a whole sunk cost on, on, on just getting and, you know, whatever the replacement is and, you know, retrofitting everything around it. So I believe the quote is, we're just looking for the right design point to make it a meaningful update. Business want, uh, businesses want a successful device that's going to enable an even higher return on investment. Uh, Evans here is from the clients, uh, and this is a Microsoft spokesperson. Unlike consumers who want to replace the devices often, businesses do not want to make their existing headsets obsolete for only slight improvements. They do not need a successor yet, but they want to know what it will be like. Uh, when it, want to know when uh, want to know it will be there at the right time. So Microsoft, you know, as it tends to do, is listening to its business people who are saying these are the things I need, and they're probably in the lab right now, implementing all of those things. But until they probably make another giant leap as far as uh, what it can do. Maybe they're adding a whole VR section to it, like you know we saw with Oc uh, Oculus, and I believe um, whatever Apple's gonna be doing. Maybe they're building that in because right now it's an AR only thing. Maybe you know there is application for true mixed reality with the with the VR portion into it. Either way, there might be a Microsoft, there might be a Hololens three, but we may not see it for another few years. And when it does come out, we expect it to be a big leap. It's something that businesses will say, all right, well it's been seven years let's go ahead and replace this thing and if they can build it at scale even better but don't expect even if we get whatever apple's coming out with it might be super cool for consumers don't expect microsoft to be like oh we gotta rush to do that they're gonna say no our business people want these things they want durability they want uh you know bigger field of view they want better software stuff like that and two, you got to remember, I'm excited to see what Apple does with it, but Apple is going to do what Apple does. They're going to say, hey, buy the Mac Pro or whatever they want you to buy with it because it works well. And, you know, you get back, like you said, into this ecosystem, you're locked in. You know, you buy the Apple headset, you've got to have the Apple PC to go with it. And, you know, I don't see people not to get too far off i don't see people converting over from one well, that, ecosystem to another well especially not for this headset like i said it comes down to 
the software at the end of the day. The hardware is amazing and Apple's probably gonna do something, you know, far greater than what HoloLens 2 did three, four years ago, whatever. So, you know, when you're, people are gonna compare them, they're gonna be like, oh, Microsoft was at first and their hardware was not nearly as good as should take their time. At the end of the day, it's gonna come down to the software. How does this tie into SharePoint, Excel, whatever applications these warehouse users, warehouse workers are using that they need to see inventory and real-time data, like all of that stuff is gonna to need to work upfront. And I don't know if Apple's gonna have that because they haven't been in the business sector. They haven't, to my knowledge, been speaking with people who are using these things saying, these are the things I need if I'm on a dig site, if I am driving uh, you know, 24 hours a day or whatever, I need to be able to see these kind of location points if they are in uh, stocking and they're saying, I need to be able to locate uh, through VR or AR where these things are in minimal time. I don't need to, I don't want to have to physically go there. Or if I'm talking to somebody like you and I are saying, there's the communication aspect. Uh, you know, I need to be able to walk somebody through repairing a sink, repairing a jet engine, repairing these things. Is that software going to tie into what they currently have? Microsoft has been doing that. It's going to be interesting to see because I think AR and VR both included, you know, when it first came out, it was all about the video games. You know, and, and everybody, myself included, everybody was using one or the other for video games. And there were several AR headsets that came out. You know, my Dell had one. I think Samsung had one. You know, and these were consumer levels. And HoloLens is certainly not that. And I'm interested to see what, excuse me for saying this, what real AR and even what real VR that you're not going to sit down and play a video game with can do for us. Agreed. Uh, with that being said, we're going to put a pin in that, see what 2023 has for us as far as that's concerned. I am going to move on to uh, my last headline story, uh, and then I think you can pick it up from there, which is Minecraft servers were hit with a cross-platform DDoS uh, botnet attack. So if you're planning on doing some heavy Minecraft gaming over the next couple of weeks uh, as we move into the holidays, just be aware that it's not your device, but in the various actors who are messing with your experience. So if you're slamming your Xbox or you're wondering why your computer's not working, it's not you, it's them. Uh, on Thursday, Microsoft reported a cross-platform botnet uh, that launched a DDoS attack against private Minecraft servers. As the report, uh, I think, came in, the Microsoft Defender uh, for IoT research team recently analyzed a cross-platform botnet that originates from a malicious software downloads on Windows devices and succeeds in propagating to a variety of Linux-based devices as well. So be careful, if, even if you're a Linux person wagging your finger, you're you're uh, prone to this as well. The botnet spreads by uh, enumerating default credentials on an internet-exposed secure shell, SSH-enabled devices, because IoT devices are commonly enabled for remote configuration with potentially insecure settings. These devices could be at risk uh, to the attacks like, like this botnet one, uh, this botnet spreads mechanism. Uh, yeah, mechanisms makes uh, this botnet spreading mechanism makes it a unique threat because while the malware can be removed from the affected source PC, it could persist on unmanaged IoT devices in the network and continue to operate as part of the botnet. So, you know, whatever you connect to could have could basically be storing it even if you fix the, what you think is the source. Referred to as the MCC crash, the botnet's uh, initial infection points are. Apparently, devices affected via installation of cracking tools meant to procure illegal Windows licenses. Below is a diagram of the botnet's attack uh, flow from the Microsoft.com. We'll put that on the screen for you guys. Um, 
Thus far, reported infections have been largely uh, restrained to Russia, Ka uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Chechnya, Italy, Ind India, Indonesia, Nigeria, Cameroon, Mexico, and Colombia. Uh, the bulk of the reports infections seem to have a source from Russia. Uh, Cross-platform DDoS botnets. Uh, one of the commands in the botnets designed to deploy uh, quote attack it underscore in crash. If you see that anywhere on a computer, beware. Um, so yeah, this news comes in the heels of a newly found botnet known as Gotrin that breaks into WordPress sites and admin accounts. So this holiday season, just be on the lookout for these things. Fortunately, this seems, I mean, well, I don't say fortunately, as it's being reported, this seems to be an international issue so far. We haven't heard too many instances in the US, but we have international listeners and we would like you guys to be aware of this. Seems like the last few years, every time the holidays come around, we get something <laughs> service related that went all the way back to the, if you remember the Xbox outage, what, four or five years ago now. Oh, yeah. It seems like since then we get something every holiday season like this. Hurt people, hurt people, basically. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Yeah. What do we got next? What's our last one? We got one more, folks, and um, this one's a little gaming. You should know I got to get a little gaming in here. Don't have a whole lot for you, but we got a little something. Um, Game Pass is already kicking off their titles for January. And looks like they're getting off to a good start. We have Persona 3 Portable on January the 19th. We have Persona 4 Golden on January 19th. We have Monster Hunter Rise on January 20th. We have Age of Empires 2 Definitive, Definitive Edition on January 31st. And we have one called RoboQuest coming in January that we don't know what day it's going to be yet it is to be determined among the five already confirmed confirmed entries are three popular franchises the other title being RoboQuest it is a Borderlands inspired shooter which sounds pretty cool to me and you may recall came to PC Game Pass back in February of this year and we'll finally get to Xbox tier here shortly. So if you don't get what you're looking for for holidays under the tree for Xbox, looks like Microsoft is kind of covering some of us with something to kick off 2023. Some cool years, some cool titles for Game Pass, and I'm interested to see where Game Pass takes us in 2023. It's getting better and better. You and me both. Uh, that brings us to the end of our pod. We want to, again, thank you for joining us and spending some time with us this weekend. Uh, we, uh, I would like to say, I don't want to speak for both of us, but I'd like to have wish everyone happy holidays for whatever you're celebrating. Uh, if you're not celebrating anything, just have a great time being you around this time. Yes, uh, before we cut out, I will say happy holidays to everybody. I hope everybody's safe. Hope everybody has a good time spending time with the family like cream said whether you're celebrating just get together and have fun folks life is short enjoy it yes we made it through a crazy year see you guys in the other yeah. side